Hi, this is Tia Sarkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 158, and this is our first episode of 2020. So this is very exciting. We've had a lot of great Star Wars stuff, though, in uh, 2019, Jesse. Yeah, it was a year packed, packed with Star Wars. Yeah, I remember in 2018 thinking about all the really exciting Star Wars things coming up in 2019, and we just went through that, and it was awesome. So, got a couple things here in 2020 to look forward to, uh, but we are going to be doing our 2019 in review later on in this show. Uh, But before we do that, let's go to our segment on Star Wars Resistance. So, we've been trying to do our best to keep up with all these episodes, but we've got three episodes that we're going to be um, talking about tonight, or depending on whenever you're listening to this today. Um, the Missing Agent, Breakout, and The Mutiny were the last three episodes of Star Wars Resistance, um, so we're going to be talking about those. Uh, let's start with Missing Agent. Let's get right into it. So, um, just a little bit of a review, a synopsis if you will, on this episode. So the Colossus receives a distress call from this dude named Norath, Norath Kev, and um, Kaz is able to convince Doza to let them check it out. So Yeager, Kaz, CB-23, and Sonara go to the Varkana system at the Vargo spaceport to try to look into what's going on. Um, And they meet up with this Norath guy. So what do you think of Norath? Um, Norris, I thought, honestly, he really reminds me of Cass. Yeah. He, like, has that, like, he's, like, the same caliber of spy, if you will. Like, if you think of, like, you know, Cassian Andor, he, like, he seemed like he was, like, a career spy. Mm -hmm. And these guys kind of seem like just people who really wanted to help the resistance. And they were like, well, you know what you could do for us? You could be a spy. They were like, all right. Yeah. But, but yeah, I know he it just he just reminded me of Kaz in a lot of ways throughout the episode. Yeah, I really like Sonara in this episode. She really shined to me. I mean, we we get to see her fully in action, um, going up against this bounty hunter, and um, his name is Axe Tagrin. Yes. And he's voiced by Joe Magellano or Joe Malaginio or however you say his name. He was, um, I knew I recognized the voice, so I looked him up, and he was in um, Magic Mike or whatever. He's like one of those really ripped dudes that everyone thinks is cute or whatever. But I was like, <laughs> I definitely did not see Magic Mike. I don't know where I've seen his face before, but um, 
Yeah, he was um he was Flash Thompson in the original Spider Man movie with um Toby Maguire. He was like MJ's boyfriend before Okay. Yeah. So anyway, tangent. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was it was kinda cool to get that new bounty hunter and he had a really awesome weapon and I love the way he sounded and the way he looked. And um, it almost looked like if you guys ever watched the micro series, his costume was was kind of based off of the armored suit that we see Sacy Tin in, and I believe they're the same species, the Iktachi, with the two horns that come down along the sides of their face. Um, so it was really kind of cool to see this bounty hunter kind of make an appearance because we haven't really seen too many formidable you know, rough and tough bounty hunters in this series. No, yeah, and he was, like, he. I, I was, like, shocked by him. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that guy. I was, like, this is, like, he's, like, a horror movie almost. He was cool. And it was cool that Sonara was able to really hold her own, like, all on her own against him. Yeah, she, like, knocked him off a ledge and fought him a few times. So Yeah, Kaz and Yeager were just like, she's good, let's go. Yeah, yeah get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we again see that the, you know, the blanket that the First Order has on the galaxy spreads very wide. Um, even this guy, Leechy, you know, this grand that we see, um, he's working for the First Order by snitching. He's essentially, like, telling everybody, you know, where people are and, and you know, Essentially, by extension, working for the First Order. I don't know if he... I can't remember if he actually reached out to the First Order or if he was reaching out to the Bounty Hunter. Um, I think he was like an, I think he was on the list. I think he was on Norath's list as like an informant. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, this whole episode kind of confused me for a little bit because there was... It was basically like, oh, we have names, you know, valuable to the First Order. And then the bounty hunter's like, that's not what I'm paid for. It's not my problem. And then there was something else that was said. Um, oh, the First Order would have shut the signal down and they would have left stormtroopers if it was the First Order with the distress call. But it, it wasn't. So this was all a trap, essentially, right? To, mm -hmm. yeah, bring them out of hiding. Yeah, from like I, that's how, what I thought is Axe felt like she, maybe he didn't need that list because he knew that that Kaz and Norath would like bring more people to to him. I guess. Okay, so it was the first order then. It wasn't just it wasn't just like the bounty hunter not caring. It was more of just a way to bring more people. Yeah, I feel like he just felt like he already. He was like, I'll get all those people and you'll bring them to me. I don't need that list. Yeah. That's how I saw it, at least. Yeah. It took me a little while to get to that point. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was pretty, it's kind of cool to see, you know, less about supplies and, oh, the Colossus needs food and we need money. And, you know, it was cool to see a little bit of action, Sonara getting in there. Um, I thought CB23 was hilarious in this episode with, like, that whole intimidation scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, trying to be intimidating. Like, oh. At first I was like, oh, my God, are they really going to use, like, CB as, like, an interrogation device? And then he just, like, slowly starts dragging and yep. making annoying sounds. Yeah. Super cute. Yeah. 
Um, this was the first part to sort of a continuing arc, I guess, a uh, two-episode arc. Um, but I think this missing agent thing really really kicked off a, a introduction for some great characters. I think Axe is awesome, the bounty hunter, and I also think that Norath um, will... He's not done after these two episodes. I think we'll see more of him. No, yeah, I mean, he... I mean, this is more for the next episode, but he kind of invites Kaz. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, let's go back. And Kaz is like, no, I got to stay here. So I wonder if he'll stay with Kaz on the Colossus. That Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be pretty cool. All right, any final thoughts on the missing agent? No, that pretty much covered everything I had. All right, so the next episode is called Breakout. And um, essentially, at the end of the first episode, the missing agent, um, Yeager and Sonara and CB23 end up getting captured, and CB is in pretty bad shape. Like, not yeah. looking so hot. Um, really sad to watch him, like, wobble. Yeah, it was not a, it was not a happy moment. Um, and then the Colossus, they're trying as hard as they can to sort of stay in the area, but they also don't want to draw the attention of the First Order. Um, and so they're hiding in this, like, electrical interference, which was pretty cool to see. Um, we get Agent Tyranny back in this one, and she's sort of torturing Sonara and Yeager throughout the whole episode or part of the episode. Um, and then Kath and Kaz and Norath end up uh, disguising themselves as stormtroopers. This is something that we've seen quite a bit throughout Star Wars. Um, you know, even with Kanan dressing up as a stormtrooper, Luke and Han dressing up as a stormtrooper, and it's just kind of funny that no one really sort of suspects them except for Axe figures it out in the middle of the episode. Yeah. Even all the other stormtroopers are just like taking them for rookies and stuff. Yep. Oh, you're just new. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool to see the Colossus um, and Doza make a decision because when Doza's like, no, we got to get out of here, and Tora's like, no, we can't do that. And then it like, I can't remember if it went to a commercial or went to a different scene or something, but. Um, you could tell just by the way that Doza looked at Tora that he wasn't just going to leave him. You know, you're like, oh, the Aces will probably stay or something like that. And they did. The Aces stayed back to, to help out, which was awesome. Yeah, I think he was truly torn, though. Like, I think if it wasn't for Tora, like, mm -hmm. being there and, like, being that, like, I don't, I, I don't think he needs her as, like, a moral compass, but because I think he has that in his own, but just kind of, like, reminding him, like, how important it is to stay behind and, and urging him to, to like be brave basically. Um, I, I think he would have left. I think he would have just like taken his duty as captain to be like, I have to protect my ship and I've got to leave these people behind. So I, that's how I felt like if it, if it wasn't for Tora, like right. he would have, he would have gone. And, you know, despite Tora being pretty young and I, I guess we don't know exactly how old she is or if we do, I haven't, found that out but um she seems to still be important to doza and her opinion is important to doza um and he values that and he'll use that yeah. to sometimes you know make decisions and you know sometimes Tora's out of line too but everyone gets that way so he wants her to be happy yeah um, so Kaz and Norath end up rescuing Yeager and Sonara, which is pretty awesome. And then CB 
CB literally just like spider man into the air and came down <laughs> and nailed Agent Tyranny, which was awesome. Yeah, I love their little argument where Kaz is like, I'm here to rescue you guys. And CB was clearly like, what do you think I'm doing? Like, yeah. that's what I'm, I'm rescuing you. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the end of this episode. Because like you said, um, when we were talking about the other one, so Norath at the end invites Kaz to the resistance. But Kaz says, as he looks towards, you know, quote unquote, his family aboard the resistance or aboard the Colossus, um, that he he's not ready to go yet or something like that. So mm-hmm. I was under the impression that Norath would go back to the resistance. Kaz would stay on the Colossus and then eventually bring more people to, um, to the resistance kind of, you know, bring people to the resistance side and have more people to fight. But you had said something about Norath potentially staying on the Colossus, which that was not even something I was thinking about. Yeah, I just, I I mean, I just kind of got the vibe that there was potential for him to stay. Um, I feel like Kaz could kind of convince him and, you know, through this fight that they just had together, could see how being a part of the Colossus could still benefit the Resistance like it has for Kaz and Yeager. So I just yeah. think it's, I mean, we're at the point where we're kind of like building up our ragtag crew throughout this whole yep. um, season. So it just would kind of make sense for them to acquire um, Norath. Yeah. I even wrote down a couple names on my sheet here uh, because I agree. We've gotten some new characters in this season. Norath, Kev, Vanessa, Doza, and Nina. Remember Nina? She had yeah. that like relationship with Niku kind of. Um, yeah. I think Nina's going to come back, and she's actually going to help out the Colossus. I hope so. Yeah. I think we're going to get... I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I also think a character that we got in the next episode, the Mutiny, I think the B1 droid is also going to be important um, as we continue on, but... Like you said, I think we're sort of building yeah. that, this like ragtag group of new characters that are going to join up and help fight the First Order. I kind of hope all those droids, like that whole like cell, that like cell of of droids, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they all just kind of like started listening to Niku and the B1. So I feel like they're just going to be part of the Colossus security now. Yeah. And I've said this before, Niku is so important to the Colossus. I mean, really, if you think about it, Everyone would have been screwed so many times if it wasn't for Niku. Right. No, he's 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 the underdog. People underestimate him, and, and Niku kind of touches on that about how he like learned it all from Kaz, and he's like, "Yes, all I have to do is bump into things and act like I don't know what I'm <laughs> doing, and then everybody just trusts me." <laughs> yeah, I love Kaz's response to that too. He's like, "All right, Niku, that's good. We're good on that. Yep, we're good." Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Breakout? Yeah. I this these couple of episodes um, really got me thinking about Kaz and what makes him kind of like a good. What makes him like a good spy and a good asset to the resistance? Because I think it's hard to see sometimes because he's kind of goofy and like Niku said, you know, bumping into things and acting like he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like throughout these last couple episodes specifically he really kind of like proves 
himself a little bit and like holds his own so than he has in the past like he's he's the guy that it's not like he's it's I feel like it's not so much that he's just running around not knowing what he's doing and hoping for the best it's in this episode it almost felt like he just really trusts his gut instincts and doesn't waste time worrying if a plan won't work he just keeps moving forward keeps trying every idea he gets and if it doesn't work he just goes on to the next idea like that moment where he grabs that like blunt object I don't know what it was and he just runs out and like whacks the axe the bounty hunter with it yeah like just to just to distract him for a moment like that's huge that he just like is willing to like do things like that and and just run in and it seems reckless sometimes but it's really effective for him because he just never never gives up he just is always trying and trying new things yeah i do think that if kaz had some sort of like military training that he would be so much better off he is a great spy and he's really good at figuring plans out and coming up with ideas a little clumsy a little clumsy might need a little bit more uh you know coaching on spatial awareness um but yes. i do think that he's been improving a lot even after only a season and a half of episodes i think he's definitely gotten better um but from what we see in the next episode the mutiny um you know he tries to shoot that trandoshan pirate a bunch of times and like totally misses um yeah. and then he punches the weak way in the face and like the weak way just like his head just turns and Kaz is like, ow, like, you know, he, he needs a, he needs to find a bench press and, and get a little bit of training done, I think, yes. uh, in order to be totally perfect. But he's, you know, he's definitely improving, I think. Yeah. For someone who just decided to be a spy one day, like I just, I think all of his crazy, you know, wild ideas that he just puts into action, it, it, it works for him. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next episode, The Mutiny, and this is the most recent episode, and this one was really interesting. Essentially, the, the premises of this one is that the pirates led by Kragen have finally decided that the time is right and they're going to try and trick Doza and take over the Colossus. Um, one of my favorite parts of this episode was the very beginning where we get to see Sidon Ithano, who we briefly got to see in episode 7, the Crimson Corsair, and um, he was one of the characters that Finn was going to go with at Maz's castle um, before he decided to obviously fight the First Order instead of running away right around the time when Ray gets taken as well. So it was kind of cool to see him back in the scene, and he had all of these Clone Wars-era droids that he sold to Kragan and the pirates. Um, I love that opening sequence with the pirates and Sidon Ithano. Yeah, that was that was a really cool callback. And I guess it's good that, I mean, it, it was already good that Finn didn't go with them, but obviously yeah. these aren't the most upstanding guys. Yeah. They're just going to sell battle droids that are basically busted. Yeah. And I feel like you know, to Doza's point, that's probably not legal. You know, it's contraband. No. <laughs> so, 
Kragen finally has this plan to take over the Colossus, and um, it's very apparent that Kragen does not trust Sonara. You know, she wasn't with them on the mission to get the arms, um, and when he returns, he basically just is like, oh, don't worry about it. We've, we're, we're good. We just got food and stuff, and, you know, when Doza shows up, he says the same thing, but, like, they don't really trust Sonara, even though she's kind of one of them. Yeah, I think at this point they can kind of tell where her loyalties like truly lie at this point. She's become really invested uh, in the community of the Colossus and it has in every at every opportunity helped Kaz on every mission that she's been involved with um, for the resistance. So I think they've seen that and just know that that they can't. They, they they can't trust her anymore. Like if they were to do, they know if if they were to do something shady that would negatively affect the Colossus, that that she would not be on their side. Yeah, the weirdest thing though is that she still has ties to the pirates and cares for them and wants their best interests. Because even at the beginning of the episode, she is having a conversation with Doza and basically is saying, you know, if you keep them under your thumb, they're gonna run. They're going to like push back you know they're gonna revolt um Mm -hmm. but if you give them their freedom it'll be a lot better for everybody so i mean i see both points i mean they're pirates so doza has to protect his people but then sonara being a pirate and a resident of the colossus kind of has to play the middleman there but yeah i'm i'm just surprised that that he didn't listen to her from the beginning honestly yeah because it, I mean, it's difficult because they were giving initially intel to the First Order. You know, that's how we met them. So I guess it is really difficult for Doza to just let them out of his sight. Yeah. So Doza, being the smart person that he is, with the help of Yeager, they sort of recruit Niku to um, be a spy, essentially. Be a spy on the pirates and... I don't necessarily think that Doza or Yeager really had an idea of what the pirates were up to, only that they were doing something suspicious. Because, I mean, Niku is not necessarily my first choice for a spy, but he is a really good engineer. So do you think that Doza and Yeager actually had somewhat of an idea that, hey, maybe Niku is going to have to reprogram something, maybe Niku is going to have to you know, deal with some equipment here and he's our best choice? Or, like, why do you think they picked Niku? I think that's that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, Niku's a very useful person. So, I mean, everybody needs maintenance, right? Everybody needs a maintenance guy and a fix-it guy. So I feel like they just felt Niku and his innocence... Even if he didn't have, like, a specific thing he could do for them, he would either, A, walk in and, like, ruin all their plans by just, like, being Niku and being like, hey, what are you doing? Like, that's not right. Like, you know, just walk in. You're the greatest pilot in the universe. You're the greatest pilot in the universe, (laughs) but you're about to ruin everything for the Colossus, and I'm just going to be in your way. (laughs) So yeah. Either way, I felt like they, they just knew that, I mean, if they sent in anyone else, that they would be too suspicious of why they would be there. Niku just very easily looks like he just stumbled in and, and is just there. And what is the reasoning for not informing Kaz of Niku's mission? 
do you think that Kaz would have blown it? Yeah, I think Kaz can't keep himself out of situations, especially when he knows he like has to do with like spying. Yeah, um, I think he has that. He has like hero complex. So there's no way he could just let Niku do that alone. He would go in there and probably get busted. Yeah, makes sense. I agree. Um, so Niku obviously is there, and he programs the B1 to be the commander of these um, B2 super battle droids. And uh, they end up saving the day, really. You know, at the end of the episode, they save the day. They rescue Niku, Kaz, and Sonara from a crate, um, or B1 does. And then uh, after a quick battle aboard the Colossus, which seems like some people might have died on there, in there. Oh, but I don't. I hope not. I didn't even think about it. I don't know if it was anybody from the Colossus, but I thought I saw like a pirate or two get dead. But maybe not. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. That resident, our resident drunk at Aunt Z's, he just kept drinking while all the fighting was <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. Somehow he's still alive. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I thought it was pretty cool too. At the end, with uh, that conversation between. Sonara and Kragan. You know, I mean, we find out a little bit more about Sonara. She was taken um, off the streets of Vancor, which is really cool because we get to see Vancor in Clone Wars, and we know that that is a planet with all the Gundarks. So, um, definitely a good place to escape. Um, and it was kind of, you could kind of tell it was a little sad for her, but she's doing what's best for them. Um, the galleon, the hyperdrive is disabled. They have no weapons, so I'm not sure totally where they're gonna go. Um, but it was it was a good idea for Doza to sort of adhere to Sidnara's plan with them. I think. Yeah, and especially like she mentions like that she was with them since she was a little kid. Like she grew up with some of those pirates. Yeah. So that must have been really tough for her, but she obviously has a much stronger moral compass than them so i think it was pretty easy for her to to know she was making the right choice yep yeah it was pretty awesome um so i mean obviously we have more episodes to come um i did want to mention one more thing about the second episode that we talked about today breakout and um i was looking through my notes before we switch here but uh one thing that I wrote down is if you remember in when Kaz and Norath already are in the Stormtrooper armor and they go and they open the door and all of a sudden there's Commander Pyre there, right? And they're like, ah, and they shoot him. Kaz shoots him with the stun blast. Yeah. And then and then Norath is like, oh my gosh, what'd you do? And then Kaz is like, oh, it's set for stun. And he's, like, angry. And he's, like, trying to fiddle with it and try to... To me, it seemed like he wasn't planning on it being on stun. And that yeah. he meant to actually shoot him and kill him. Yeah. That was dark. I, yeah. I saw that, too. I was I was really surprised that, that he said that. Um, but I guess, like, that guy has been relentlessly after them from the beginning. Yeah. So there's a certain point in war, even when you're like the shiny hero guy, that you just shoot you, someone cold blood. Yep, you got to make a move, <laughs> right? Yep. Otherwise, it's never gonna end. Yep. Yeah, I I actually had to rewind that. And I was like, wait, 
what? Like, was he yeah. was he just telling us that it was on stun or telling Norath just to make him not freak out? Or was he actually, like, trying to figure out how to get it not on stun? So, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, all right, any final thoughts on three episodes of Resistance? I thought these were really action-packed, fun episodes, different than what we've had, like we were talking about earlier. Um, I just really want to know where Tam is because yeah. we got her name mentioned um, in Breakout. And they were kind of using her against Yeager to make him talk. And I am just ready to figure out how she, like, what part she plays in this story. Because I don't think she just got, you know, turned to the dark side for nothing. Yeah. Well, this year is interesting, this season. Because we have had 14 episodes. The Mutiny was episode 14 of season 2. I think typically for Clone Wars and Rebels, a season was about 20, 22 episodes. And I'm pretty sure for season one of Resistance, I could be wrong on the exact number, but I'm 90% sure it was like 22 episodes for season one. So here we are, 14 episodes into season two. And I got the like press release from Lucasfilm for this upcoming Sunday's episodes. And it's actually going to be... A special one-hour episodic event of Star Wars Resistance this Sunday, January 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time on Disney XD. And also again uh, at 10 p.m. on the Disney Channel, Eastern and Pacific Time. But there are two episodes back-to-back, which are The New World and No Place Safe. So there's two more episodes on Sunday, which will put us at 16. So I feel like we're kind of getting to that point now where... You know, we're going to be getting more Tam. Um, We know from the trailer for Season 2 that there's another major character from the First Order that's going to be in, um, you know, the season Kylo Ren at some point. So um, I feel like we're we're kind of getting to that point now where major plot points need to be, you know, showing up. Yeah. I can't wait. It's been a really, it's been a good show. It's been really fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And the new um, set of Star Wars Destiny, which I know we haven't played in a while, uh, it's called Covert Missions, and they have some Resistance characters. Uh, Von Reg is in it, Ooh. and Tora Doza is going to be in it, so I'm very excited that uh, Resistance merch is getting a little love. That's awesome. All right, let's go on to... 2019 a year in review and we usually do this um every year where we just kind of go through the year and talk about some of our favorite things let's talk about celebration jesse i was very excited that number one celebration was here in chicago no plane tickets awesome um (laughs) and number two that a lot of the people that were normally not able to go to the celebrations like you due to the distance were able Mm -hmm. to actually go to celebration um so i know we've talked about this before and we we've you know um had entire shows on celebration but just briefly like talk about it again like what were your favorite parts of celebration (laughs) God, this, it was, I can't even talk highly enough about my Star Wars Celebration experience. It meant everything to me to get to go 
to this huge event that I've been hearing so much about and just be there with everyone fully immersed in the Star Wars fan base and getting to meet all these people that had just the same love for Star Wars that we do. Like you are one of the only people in my life that loves Star Wars as much as I do. So like to be in a huge room basically with hundreds and hundreds of other people that feel the exact same way. It was just an incredible feeling. And I will just never forget top moment for sure is getting to watch the Rise of Skywalker trailer with everybody in that main gallery. Just even though we were just looking at a tiny little screen, it was still just unreal. Such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah, I... There are so many experiences at Celebration that literally you will never forget. I remember even watching the Clone Wars trailer with you in the Wintrust Arena. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, there's just so many great things. I remember walking through the Galaxy's Edge sort of pavilion thing that they had in the middle of the exhibit hall. Um, and for me, you know, Celebrations are the best time of the year for me. Like, literally the best time of year. I don't care about sleep. I don't care about eating, really. When I'm at a celebration, like, my adrenaline is so high that I don't really <laughs> even, like, it's it's hard for me to even explain what's going on. I'm just, like, on this Star Wars high. And, um, you know, as I get older, it's a little hard to lose sleep. But, um, you know, it's whatever. It's only a few days <laughs> at a time, so you can, can make it work. But um, I think the biggest challenge for me this year was the cold. Because, um, you know, being in Chicago in April, waiting out to be first in line, you have to brave the weather because they had the queue outside until like six o'clock or something. So just being outside, not prepared for crazy weather and getting nailed with the with the wind, even though it was, you know, they had a tent there, but that didn't really do anything. So, Um, (laughs) but yeah, it was it was so awesome. Got to see Hayden Christensen again, which was really cool. Got to meet some of the cast from Solo, like Paul Bettany and Aaron Kellyman. Um, yeah, it was it was just so cool. So awesome. Yeah, you know, and I have this memory of listening to Twin Sons Transmission before I was even on the show um, and hearing you talk about Star Wars Celebration and something that always stuck with me is you said that it almost, like, it, you just step on, like, the ground. You step in the building and it just feels special like almost like you like feel like the force energy of like everyone being there and being as excited as you are and I can truly say that like I remembered I've always thought of you saying that and when I was there it was 100% true it was just it was just really a beautiful experience there were like every night I like came home and like talked to my husband and like it was like almost in tears like being so so it's just I'm so glad I got to experience it I'm just like tearing up now hearing you talk about it just because it was <laughs> awesome. It was so much fun. Yeah. Everyone has to go. And it was. I talk to a lot of people at work all the time because I work in a, a collector store with, you know, nerdy collectibles. And we get a lot of people in there that, you know, don't like the Disney movies, the new Star Wars Disney movies and things like that. And that's fine. I mean, it, it's not for everyone. Not everyone has to like it. I'm not going to tell you you have to like it. But I never like asking people, oh, what do you think of The Last Jedi at work? Because it, it's just, 
<laughs> it's yeah. just a touchy subject. And when I was at Celebration, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask people what they thought of it. What did you guys think of Last Jedi? It was awesome. I don't understand all the, you know, backlash for it. And I was like, yes, yeah. I'm in the right spot right now, you know? So much positive fandom was presence at, present at that convention. Yeah. Well, new celebration comes to Anaheim this year at the end of August. Very excited about that. Um, can't wait to go. Galaxy's Edge opened uh, in both locations. In Disneyland, it was in May. And then at Disney World, it was at the end of August. And, you know, it was one of those things where, like, one of the main panels at Celebration on the main day in the Trust Arena, I think it was, I don't remember what day it was, um, but in the morning they had it, uh, was a Galaxy's Edge panel. And some of the other panels were, like, 20th anniversary of Episode One. Um, Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker and I was like I want Rise of Skywalker I want Mandalorian and um, you know I was able to see a lot of them except for Rise of Skywalker in the Wintrust Arena but Galaxy's Edge was one that was just kind of like eh I think I'll just show up I'll go to the park and it'll be cool Um, but like I wasn't excited I, I was excited but I wasn't as excited as I thought I would be going to Galaxy's Edge just because it was like I've been to Star Wars weekends before. I've been to, you know, theme parks. I don't know, like Rise of Resist, uh, Rise of yeah, Resistance isn't going to be open. It'll be fun, but you know, whatever. So I show up there, and it's opening day. It's four o'clock in the morning. They said it wasn't going to be open until six a.m. It's like four four fifteen, and. Um, the park is open. Everyone's gone through security. We are walked in a mass of bodies, a mass of humanity, walked together through Batu to the Falcon. And they're like, okay, this is the line for the Falcon. I'm like, oh, do, like, can we go other places right now? Or do we have to go on the ride first? And they're like, nope, the whole park is open. Pitch black, 4.30 in the morning. I run into Doc Ondars. I spend $1,000 right away in the first 10 minutes on Easily. lightsabers and other things in the Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. I had it sent to the front of the park. And then <laughs> I went and got breakfast at Docking Bay 7, which was awesome. Like the whole place, even in the morning, was just phenomenal. I spent the whole weekend there. I think it was three and a half days that I spent straight at Galaxy's Edge. And I 100% recommend going, even if you're like, oh, theme parks aren't my thing. Shut up. Just go. It's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Savvy's Workshop, make your own lightsaber. Go to um, Mubo's Droid Depot, build a droid. You know, it, Olga's Cantina, one of my favorite parts of the whole place. The energy in there was awesome. It, you guys have to go. Yeah, I'm super stoked because I get to go in may i might only be going for one day maybe two um but i'm definitely going and i'm just so stoked because there's nothing like being in that kind of an immersive environment like if i know anything from how like i feel when i go to like harry potter world which is like a a, just a huge theme park that everything they do they make you feel like you are a wizard and you're part of it and this is sounds like it's the exact same thing for Star Wars like that's such a magical feeling and I the power of Disney behind it can only make it better than 
than a universal experience. And that's, I mean, that's my biased opinion, but um, I just can't wait. I, Disney, they do amazing things. So I just, I love seeing people, like I stalk people on Instagram when I know they're going to Galaxy's Edge. And I just yeah. like look through everything. Everything just looks so beautiful. Even like the wall, like people are finding like walls and just taking pictures of walls and it's really cool. So yeah. I can't wait. You really can do everything there in a day. I hope to I hope to God <laughs> that you get as much done as you possibly can, but um there's so much because even even my friend uh Jesse who went there for I think he he went there before I did, but he had he downloaded the app and then he was going through trying to like scan things and translate things and you know, figure out what was in certain crates, and then, you know, oh, man, this crate right by the Falcon, they have E-11s in there, you know, this is crazy, like, you find out what, what are in crates, um, just trying all the different food, the Ronto wraps, I highly recommend, even the breakfast ones, <laughs> they have special breakfast ones in the morning, really good, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome, it's awesome, and now the Rise of the Resistance ride's gonna be open, which I have not gone on. Um, so when we go out to California for celebration at the end of August, we're going to take a day and go to Galaxy's Edge. So, yeah. It's really cool. Really cool. Um, Disney Plus came out in November, and we got our very first live-action Star Wars TV show, The Mandalorian, which we're going to be talking about more episodes and the conclusion of the season on our next episode. Um, but I don't know about you, but the Mandalorian just blew me away. Like I oh, was yeah. super excited for it, but it kind of got overshadowed for me by the rise of Skywalker until, yeah. we, until we saw it, you know? Right. No, I was, I knew it was going to be good from the little bit that we saw at celebration, but it was, it's just beyond expectation. It's a completely different feel than a lot of what we've got from Star Wars lately and and not that I think you know it's either better or worse or anything it's just it was just different and it really I felt like brought us back to that like original trilogy like feel like it's very very reminiscent of like the way they film and and the way those stories were told so I just thought that was really really cool and if this doesn't win awards for like music I don't know what else because it's just out of this world and in the music alone. Yeah. I would put it up there for cinematography too, because I've noticed a lot of really cool shots that almost take you out of the story and not in a bad way, but like, Oh my gosh, that's so pretty. That shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I felt that way with the music too, where I'm like, Oh, like I'm, I'm literally out of the story because I'm admiring like these cool little riffs and weird sounds that they've thrown in there. Cause it's just unlike anything I've ever heard for a score. Yeah. Ludwig Gorson, I think is his name, the composer. Um, but yeah, so great. And of course, baby, not Yoda showed up and that was just, it was a phenomenon. Like everybody knew about baby Yoda he's he's like yeah he has taken over the world people who do not care about star wars one tiny bit know about baby yoda yep (laughs) (laughs) which is fine with me right it's gotten people into it like i've known a couple of people that were like 
got my girlfriend to watch Star Wars because of Baby Yoda. <laughs> now she wants to know what it's all about. Yeah. Like it's gotten people into it, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's amazing that they kept that a secret this whole time. And as I work at this collector store, everyone's like, Disney dropped the ball with the, you know, Baby Yoda merchandise. We should have it for Christmas. I'm like, oh, that my did suck. Gosh. But yeah, that was like a bummer. I get that. It was a bummer that that we didn't have it for Christmas because I really wanted it. But but like, yeah, I didn't think they dropped the ball. Like it was obvious that they they were just keeping the secret. And I mean, if that wasn't, if that had been leaked ahead of time, that would not have been the, like the phenomena, like you said, that that it became. It just wouldn't have been as exciting. Yeah. And there are people, and I feel like in the Star Wars community more than almost any other fandom, that will literally try to do anything that they possibly can to leak Star Wars info. Yeah. You know? And keeping a secret is super hard for Lucasfilm just because they're, like I said, there's so many people that want to leak things that Mm -hmm. you really have to keep things on lockdown. Like if you want things to be a surprise, keep it on lockdown 100%. When Empire Strikes Back came out, there was nothing at all, no merchandise for Yoda, no, he wasn't in the trailer because people wanted him to be kept a secret until... Luke found out that that was Yoda, you know? So the merchandise can't come out prior to the film. I mean, this film was... I mean, the the show was out in November, and I think they wanted people to see the the merchandise after the show for Baby Yoda. Because otherwise, if you have people at Hasbro or Funko, and they're working on designs... It's going to get leaked, you know? You're it's going to get leaked. so many people beyond Lucasfilm. Like, it's not even just the design people. It's, like, the guy that runs the machine and presses the button. Like, you know, yeah. that guy you got to trust not to leak something and t- take a little photo on his phone. Like, it's just too many people. There's no way. Yeah. Um, we also got Jedi Fallen Order, which I did not put on our list, but I've been playing it pretty religiously over the last couple weeks and um, I was hoping to be able to bring some good news by saying that I had finished the game on the show but (laughs) I tried super hard I'm in the last boss fight I'm not going to say anything other than that it's the last (laughs) boss fight Um, but I've been I've been absolutely loving this and up until I think this game the Force Unleashed was my favorite Star Wars story that we got. It was a lot of action, a lot of Force powers, a lot of fighting. Um, but now this 100% has changed my mind on that. I love the story of Jedi Fallen Order more than any other Star Wars video game story that we've gotten in the history of Star Wars video games. Um, it literally gave That's me huge. goosebumps at points. Like I felt like crying at points. I felt scared. I was like, oh my god, Cal, like run, you know? Um <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's maybe not everyone shares that viewpoint, but to me, uh, I'm all in for Jedi Fallen Order. I've really loved it from what I've played. I am very early on. I, I have, I have not played in a while, but I agree with you on Force Unleashed. That was probably one of the only, the first one, at least was probably one of the only video games ever that I've completely finished from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and this does feel very similar to me. I love the Force powers. 
and obviously a lightsaber is very conducive to the way I need to play video games because I do not have aim. So I've really enjoyed it so far. I can't wait to keep keep going since you say the story is so good. It is, and they really focus on developing characters as they go through the story, which I think helps a lot. It helps a lot. I, I love that these video games, too, aren't just like, a video game like you know like it's not just like oh let's go be a jedi and here you get to do that it like is actually a canon extension of the story yep and speaking of canon galaxy's edge is also canon you know the batu the black spire outpost oga's cantina we got to read a lot about that and interview delilah dawson with the uh, black spire outpost book um it was cool to see those those uh you know, similarities and nods to the park as well through the book. Um, So at the end of the year, we got The Rise of Skywalker, the conclusion of the Skywalker Saga, Episode 9. And of course, you know, the movie is awesome. I've seen it eight times so far, um, and I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, To me, I I don't know where I rank it yet. I don't have a a ranking for this one yet. I just I don't I don't like to rank and I know I you hate don't really ranking. do do that either yeah yeah um, I hate it people ask me and I change my mind all the time so it's like I love them all so much it's too difficult yeah um, we'll have a whole episode on the rise of Skywalker but um, a couple highlights for me um, obviously I think Ray did an awesome job there were a lot of really cool scenes with Ray um, it really got you in the feels a couple couple moments in in, uh, yeah. in the film um the first time i watched it uh amanda literally had to like wipe tears away from my eyes during the ben and uh han scene Aww. so yeah there was i was like sitting between my husband who does not really care he just likes to be entertained and then <laughs> but one of your friends i'm not sure um who it was forgive me but it was so funny to sit next to him because, like, every time, because Brandon didn't, you know, get what was going on. He didn't yeah. care. He was just having a good old time. And so every time, like, something crazy happened, I would, like, look at your friend and be like, oh, my God. Like, we would just keep sharing these, like, amazed, like, yeah. in, in awe, like, glances. It was just, yeah. it was a ride. That movie was a ride, roller coaster, so much fun from start to finish. Yeah, I think um, acting was really great, um, especially, yeah. you know, when Daisy uh, has to pretend like she just killed Chewbacca. Like, her scream in that scene was was crazy. Um, yeah. Even Jonas Suetomo, when uh, Chewbacca finds out that Leia dies, I mean, there was an article that came out recently about all the work that went into him, um, you know, having to do a lot for that scene and make it emotional, you know? Um, yeah. Which was, which was really good too. And of course, it, Ian McDermott just got to love him. Yeah. No, I was Adam driver. Like yeah. was out of this world, like such a good performance in this one, just like him going back and forth and like really, you know, coming back into the light and, and making that, like a believable thing because I think that's something we talked about a lot was like I wasn't sure if he you know could completely turn to the light side because he's just been so evil this whole time and I didn't think it would be believable to like just see him be a good guy but he did that and it was he stole my heart yeah 
many times throughout that movie. <laughs> I feel like Ben Solo has really quickly escalated up this ladder of favoritism, um, yes. you know, after this movie. So, and who can blame him? I mean, that's a, he did awesome. He did. So, like I said, we'll have a full episode on The Rise of Skywalker, but it was really kind of cool to get another film this year, and now we have to wait a few more years before we get our next one, unfortunately, but um, at least we have a complete three-trilogy Skywalker saga, um, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I guess the last thing I want to mention in our 2019 year in review is that... um, we did lose another member of the Star Wars family this year, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in episodes four, five, six, um, parts of seven, also episode three. Um, and then he was brought on as a consultant for um, Chewbacca's presence in Clone Wars, um, and even you know being a consultant to Jonas and and telling him how to act as Chewie and, and things like that. I think. Um, you know there wasn't there wasn't anybody like Peter Mayhew, um, and to be honest, uh, you know he really did a phenomenal job bringing the character to life, and um, you know Jonas does Jonas does a great job, and he had a great teacher, um, but but Peter Mayhew the original trilogy or uh, original Chewbacca um, I think really deserves um, you know everything that he got from Star Wars fans and and stuff like that. Um, I've had the privilege of sitting across from him at the dinner table. He's done FiferCon videos for me, like promo videos. Um, I've got to meet him a few times and get his autograph. He was actually one of the very first autographs I ever got, um, in my Star Wars autograph collecting career. So, um, he'll definitely be missed and, and, uh, it's crazy to think that he was actually at Celebration in April and you know i think he did a couple signings and photo ops and then like a few days later or a couple weeks later i don't know exactly the timeline but he passed away so sad to have him gone but he'll be remembered for sure yeah his legacy for sure lives on and chewy yeah all right well that'll pretty much do it jesse for episode 158 um Before we go, do you want to tell people where they can find us on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handles at Twin Sons Outpost. All right. And if you're looking for places to listen to our shows, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you like our show, you think we're pretty wizard, you can go ahead and give us a good review on the Apple Podcast app. All right. Thanks so much for listening to episode 158. For Eric and Jesse, we'll see you next time. And may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Air Master, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut.
I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Halloween. You started doing murder to me, I see.